Welcome to the latest Funds Fan Podcast. I'm Kyle Caldwell, your host and Collectives Editor at Interactive Investor. Coming up on the podcast is an interview with Guy Anderson, Portfolio Manager of JP Morgan's Mercantile Investment Trust, which invests in medium and smaller sized UK companies outside of the FTSE 100. As part of the interview, I asked Guy whether he is starting to switch the portfolio to the potential winners of the post-pandemic recovery and away from companies that performed well over the past year during the various periods of lockdown restrictions. As usual, at the end of the podcast is our Fund Spotlight feature. For this episode, it is the turn of Theodore Diloff, Fund Analyst at Interactive Investor. But firstly, I'm joined by my colleague Tom Bailey, ETFs editor at Interactive Investor to chat through a couple of fund and investment trust news items. Tom, let's turn our attention to UK funds following their strong start of the year. Figures from Salty Dog Investor, which write a weekly piece for Interactive Investor, show that the three UK fund sectors were the best performers in the first quarter. UK smaller companies was star of the show, with the average fund up 9.1%. Tom, what's your thoughts on this? Personally, I think it's long overdue. Um, For the last couple of years, I've lost count of the amount of times that it's been predicted that UK funds would finally return to form. Yeah, I mean, it all kind of makes sense in the context of the expected rebound of the UK economy. Um, So in general, UK-focused funds have done well, uh, with smaller caps doing particularly well. And I guess this is because you know, small caps tend to be more sensitive to the fortunes of the wider economy. I'm sure listeners will have heard plenty of times that the kind of two big headwinds in the form of the risk of no deal Brexit and, and the pandemic have, in the view of investors, been lifted in recent months, most notably with the kind of success of the vaccine rollout and the hope that the economy kind of starts to open up more normally by the summer. But I suppose, however, that the question investors need to ask is how long this post-pandemic economic boom will, will last, because Obviously, there's lots of pent-up demand out there, and by all accounts, the service sector should boom this summer. But then what? I mean, the UK economy, uh, what would it look like in a year's time from now? It's hard to say, because growth was sluggish before the pandemic, uh, and UK assets were out of favour, and sure, we can blame Brexit. But also, UK economic growth has been actually very sluggish since the 2008 crisis anyway. So it's kind of, we might have a boom this year, but what's the longer-term future of the UK economy? It seems to me that investors are still holding back from returning to the UK market and both UK retail investors and international investors. Over the past four years or so, over 10 billion has exited UK funds. So there is potentially a lot of money that could return to UK shores. And as you mentioned there, Tom, there is a a potential danger that um, investors will return to UK funds too late. You know, they perform well over the past six months. Will they potentially be buying towards the top of a peak? Yeah, you know, these outflows, uh, they're still happening uh, from UK funds. So kind of despite of all, all, all our talk about headwinds being lifted and, and performance picking up, the latest investment association stats uh, from Feb 2021 showed that UK funds saw net outflows of still a billion pounds. So that, that's big. Uh, and meanwhile, global is still popular, as has been the case for the last couple of years with investors uh, seemingly kind of, you could say, opting to swap UK funds for global funds. So, I mean, there, there's bullish signs for UK assets, but there's still lots of hesitancy and um, we're still not quite seeing a reversal of the sustained outflows we've seen for the past few years. Well, that's been the trend, hasn't it, really, ever since the EU referendum vote. 
um, in that investors have been exiting UK funds and have instead been favouring uh, global funds, um, perhaps for their greater uh, diversification benefits. Although among Interactive Investor customers, it was interesting to see in our top 10 most popular investment trust list for March, City of London re-entered the table. Our top 10 tables are based on the number of buys during the month. City of London exited the list in November and prior to that, the trust had been a regular member of the top 10 with its income consistency, a key attraction for income seekers. The trust has raised dividends for 54 years in a row alongside Bankers and Alliance Trust. In addition to the strong quarter for UK funds, a separate study by S&P found that in 2020, the majority of UK equity funds outperformed their benchmarks. Tom, you covered this study. What were the main findings? Yeah, so basically it showed that 80% of actively managed UK equity funds outperformed the S&P United Kingdom index in 2020. Um, the S&P United Kingdom index is S&P's own index for the UK. It's kind of similar to the FTSE All Share. It's obviously it's their own one that they manage. And so a, a lot of kind of it's good results for UK funds for 2020. A lot of people, like myself included, like to poke fun of active managers for saying, you know, they always kind of say they can outperform when markets are volatile. And historically, if you look at the data, it's not been so so great for them doing that. Um, but this data did show that UK equity fund managers were able to position themselves relatively well during last year's market volatility. So that, that's good. Um, and, and then you'll see UK small cap funds are even better. Um, just 15% underperformed the S&P United Kingdom small cap index. So 85% uh, outperformed. I, it's obviously it's worth uh, listeners taking a closer look at the data. You can read about it on IR.co.uk. Because I mean, for whatever reason, the UK's active fund managers have had a much better track record of beating the benchmark both last year and and uh, kind of over the last 10 years, five years, whatever period you look at it. Uh, much better than um, their peers in, in investing in U.S. equities. So U.S. active fund managers have huge underperformed. Uh, European fund managers and emerging market fund managers also have underperformed on a much, uh, much more likely to underperform than UK ones historically, at least, uh, both in 2020 and longer term. I'm joined by Guy Anderson, Portfolio Manager of the JP Morgan's Mercantile Investment Trust, which invests in medium and smaller sized UK companies outside the FTSE 100 index. So Guy, you invest in structurally strong businesses with significant room for growth. What sort of attributes do you look for to find these businesses? When we say we're looking for structurally strong businesses, the key thing that we focus on there would be the returns on capital that a business generates, because ultimately I think that's the best signal that a business is structurally strong. And then of course, so, so in other words, that's looking at you know, the return that the company makes on every pound that they invest in the business. And then the second thing that we look at is the growth outlook. So clearly we're looking for businesses where we think they has a positive growth outlook. And what's important, therefore, is that they operate in growing end markets where we can see a path to growth. As we know, the stock market fell heavily in the first quarter of 2020, but has been in recovery mode since this time last year. How do you feel about how the trust performed during the sell-off and how it has fared since? 
So it's been a pretty turbulent year for, for everyone, of course. And in this part of the market in which we're investing, which is the mid and the small cap part of the market, uh, that was absolutely the case as, as well. So in the first quarter of last year, our part of the market fell by about a third, um, but has since recovered and has reached a point actually just a few days ago uh, when the market is now ahead of where it was before the pandemic struck. So quite a quite a, a, a huge t turnaround, quite frankly. Um, when, when I think about the performance of uh, Mercantile through that period, I, I don't think I'm ever satisfied with the performance because we're always looking to deliver more, of course. But in aggregate, through 2020, um, the, the NAV of the trust was about minus 4.7% minus versus about minus 7.3% for the benchmark. So we were, we were a reasonable amount ahead, but of course, no one's ever going to be happy delivering a negative number. Um, so I'm pleased to say the performance has remained strong through the first quarter of this year. And we're now at a point where, as I said, we're, we're now back up ahead of where we were before the pandemic struck, which, which I find reassuring. And the past six months in particular have been a strong period for UK focused trusts. What have been the standout winners among your holdings? It's been quite phenomenal, actually, since that, that day in November, which is sort of now known as Pfizer Monday, um, our benchmark, so the mid and small cap part of the market is now up over 30% um, in just five months. So a pretty, pretty phenomenal run. Um, and Mercantile has, has managed to keep, keep track with that. Uh, within the portfolio, there have been a number of strong performers during that period, um, but the, the greatest uh, single contributor to the performance has been our position in National Express, which is a long-standing position in the portfolio. It's been in the portfolio for over five years, um, and this is a bus, bus operator with operations across North America and, and Europe predominantly, um, and they have clearly benefited from that vaccine news and the implications of the vaccine rollout, which will ultimately lead to a return uh, to mobility as, as people are, are increasingly allowed outside of their homes. So I think that has been, in hindsight, a company that, that one would expect to do well in such an environment, and it's doubled in the last six months. But then I think perhaps interestingly, uh, one of our, our next largest contributors to performance has been our investment in a company called SoftCat, which is in the technology sector. So this is a value-added reseller of um, technology uh, products. So they sell technology products to corporates on behalf of uh, the Microsofts of this world. And that's a business that clearly did very well through the pandemic, but which has continued to do very well um, as we move out of the pandemic, um, as we're seeing increased spend by corporates on technology. So that is a structural shift that I think will persevere and which has benefited that holding uh, absolutely uh, through the pandemic and beyond. And at this point in time, have you been switching the focus of the portfolio of late to the potential winners of the post-pandemic recovery and perhaps away from companies that have performed well during the lockdown periods? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I, I'd say in aggregate, um, the changes to the portfolio have absolutely been doing that. So we've been looking to take advantage of maybe depressed valuations in areas where we can see the recovery coming. And of course, funding those with um, you know, potentially some of, some of the past winners. I, I would say, first of all, this is a pretty low turnover strategy. 
so the turnover in the portfolio is typically only around a quarter of the portfolio in any one year. Um, and last year was pretty similar to that. Um, but the changes that we've made have really been looking to take advantage of two themes that we think are going to be important for the, for the year or two ahead. And the first of those is the recovery and consumption as consumers are released from lockdown. And so example investments where we've increased our positions since that, that important date in November when we had the vaccine news um, would include uh, Jet2, which is the, the tour operator, which operates a very strong business with a huge focus on um, you know, customer satisfaction, which is ultimately the most important thing and a business that we think is well capitalized and, and will flourish in the future. Uh, a new investment in, uh, for example, Hollywood Bowl, which operates bowling alleys across the UK, another area that has been heavily curtailed um, through the, through the uh, period of lockdown, but which we think will uh, continue to trade very strongly as we come out. There's clearly going to be some pent up demand, but as we look further afield. And then the other area that we're looking to take advantage of is the industrial recovery. So we've talked about the consumer recovery, which I think is hugely important. There's huge pent up uh, demand for consumers and, and, and a lot of savings that have been made through the pandemic period, but also the industrial recovery will be important too. A number of areas of the industrial econo economy were under substantial pressure through 2020 and have seen um, early signs of recovery and we expect those to continue. So examples there would include Vesuvius and RHI Magnesita, two companies which serve uh, the steel industry, something that was heavily impacted by the recession, but which we think should recover. And then another example of a new investment, um, IMI, which is an engineering company that um, uh, makes uh, products that control uh, sort of the movement of fluid. So this is typically think valves, etc. And that's a company that um, will benefit also from an increase in industrial activity. And what are the current gearing levels um, on the trust and how does gearing compare to this time last year towards the start of the stock market recovery? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So gearing today is about 12%, um, which is you know clearly pretty elevated levels. We have actually been um, quite heavily geared for most of the last, uh, I guess it's 10 or 11 months now. So we, we if we maybe go back to the start of 2020, we were around 5% geared. And we had that gearing as we went into the pandemic, which was clearly painful as the stock market sold off. Um, but then uh, if, if we think the, the stock market reached its nadir in late March, we started adding to the gearing uh, in the middle of April. And by the middle of May last year, we had reached that 11%, 11.5% geared position. And we've essentially held that uh, gearing position throughout since then. So it has been a, a quite a substantial beneficiary as the market levels have recovered. And finally, the trust pays a quarterly dividend. What's your outlook for dividends in 2021? And have you been looking to capitalise on companies returning to the dividend register? As you pointed out, so di dividends in 2020 um, were cut quite substantially. So I think the FTSE 100 dividend was down about 19%, the FTSE 250 down about 29%. So our part of the market more heavily impacted um, than the overall market. And the outlook for this year, I think, is actually pretty encouraging. We've seen a number of companies already return to the dividend list. So some of those companies that cut the dividend um, quite early on in the pandemic, but which perhaps have, have traded better than they expected, have returned to the dividend list. 
Um, and so looking at, at just looking at consensus forecast for 2021, I think the current forecast is for the FTSE 100 dividend to increase about 13%, but for the FTSE 250, which is the bulk of what we do, to increase by about 22%, so quite a substantial increase. Um, and that's that's certainly important um, for Mercantile. Whilst, whilst we're looking to deliver long-term capital growth, the income is an important consideration. And uh, the dividend that uh, Mercantile pays out has grown at an annual rate of over 8% over the last 30 years. So quite, quite handily ahead of inflation. And even last year, even though the income that we received came under quite significant pressure, the board did increase the dividend that it paid out uh, by a small amount, by 1.5%, but still a dividend increase. And clearly that was based on confidence of a recovery in dividends going forward. Um, and so from an investment perspective, it's certainly something that we've been uh, looking at in our companies, but often not because we're necessarily looking to take advantage of the slight uplift that we might see in a dividend, but more because of the sign of confidence um, that it demonstrates from those management teams. Guy, thank you for your time. Thank you. latest fund spotlight it is the turn of Theodore Diloff fund analyst at Interactive Investor. So Theodore you've chosen the River and Mercantile UK recovery fund so firstly how does the fund invest? The fund is managed by Hugh Surgeon who has a wealth of experience and runs a very well diversified portfolio of around 300 shares with approximately one third of the assets being allocated to companies with large market capitalization. He invests in recovery stocks, which means that he identifies good business opportunities which are currently experiencing below normal profit levels, which are depressing their valuations. In order to be included in the portfolio, a company must demonstrate its capabilities to grow shareholder value and evidence for improving earnings. It is also typical for the manager to buy stocks at fire sale prices during times of market turbulence. As you mentioned, Theodore, the fund invests in recovery stocks, so therefore has a value focus. Could you run through a couple of stock examples and sectors that the fund manager is currently favouring? Yes, that's correct. Uh, the investment universe of the fund is dominated by value stocks. Companies that offer domestic exposure and have a strong franchise are typical potential candidates. Last year, the manager became more aggressive towards cyclical stocks as well as deep value businesses such as banks and insurance companies. At a sector level, consumer discretionary, communication services and materials are some of the areas where the manager sees a lot of potential opportunities. Within the top 10 holdings, investors could find familiar names such as BP, Rauda Shell, Unilever, Lloyds Bank and HSBC. And finally, why do we think this fund stands out from the crowd? I think this fund offers a few unique selling points that investors should bear in mind. First is the track record of its manager. It's true that recently the strategy benefited from the market rotation towards value, but in fact performance has been strong over a full market cycle, which is good evidence for active management adding value. Secondly, due to its broad diversification, individual stock risk is very limited, which in theory should provide a smoother investment journey than other value funds over the long term. And to finish off, the manager has strong track record of employing environmental, social and governance criteria in his investment process. That's all for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Thank you to all of my guests. 
please like and subscribe. And of course, you can find lots more investment insights and ideas at ii.co.uk. We'll be back in a couple of weeks.